You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters Podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. Before we kick this episode off, a special thank you to our partners, Weave, the all-in-one patient communication and engagement platform, Redux, faster, drier, smarter, verified, fader plugs, the world's first custom adjustable earplug. Welcome back to another Hearing Matters podcast. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and joining us today is Andrew Bellavia. Andrew Bellavia has experience in international sales, marketing, product management, and general management, and audio has been both of abiding interest and a market he served professionally in these roles. Andrew is also a hearing aid user and is incredibly active in the hearing healthcare community. Andrew, welcome to the Hearing Matters podcast. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be on. I've listened to so many of your podcasts that now it's great to be a part of it. And Andrew, we've also stayed up to date with all the amazing podcast projects and presentations you've given. And on behalf of the hearing healthcare industry, thank you for your passion because what you are doing is so amazing for not only the hearing care providers, but also hearing aid users as well. Oh, well, really, thank you for that. That's been a passion of mine for some time, and I'm really glad you feel like I'm contributing. Andrew, what's so amazing is we are celebrating World Hearing Day. And we're celebrating World Hearing Day all week. Isn't that right? Yes, yes. And I'm really looking forward to everything you're doing over the course of this week. World Hearing Day is essentially every day for us, but not for the majority of the world. And we believe that World Hearing Day is an opportunity to raise awareness of the importance of hearing Healthcare. And Andrew, before we dive into World Hearing Day, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Yes, I'd be glad to. Uh, as you mentioned, I've been in the audio industry in one form or another for almost my whole career as part of what I've done in my various roles. And then about 10 years ago, I joined Knowles, who many of your listeners will know as a supplier of the, the balanced armature receivers and microphones and hearing aids also mobile phones and smart speakers and the like. And through my role there, I began to really immerse myself more deeply in the hearing care space. It was indirect at first because my role there was in what was then called the Hearing Health Tech Division. It's been renamed something since. Uh, For everything that was not actually a prescription hearing aid, anything else that went in the ear but a hearing aid was my responsibility. And what that meant in the beginning was uh, radio communications earpieces and also in-ear monitors for musicians. And so as I became immersed in the in-ear monitor space, I began to understand hearing health as it related to professional musicians and other people in the music industry and how their hearing was affected and how little education there was around hearing issues in that space. And then right after that began true wireless earphones. And that was my business. I was involved from the very beginning. All the early people like Bragi, Erin in Sweden, mm-hmm. Doppler Labs, and New Hero, who of course is still having great success today. But from there all the way. So I, I was there at the beginning when consumer companies were starting to address hearing 
and all the early work done to advocate for an over-the-counter hearing aid a rule and so on. And this really then gave me a much deeper understanding of all the issues around hearing care and lack of hearing care access globally. And that only continued to build over time. And of course, I learned a lot about the prescription hearing aid industry by osmosis being in that group within Knowles. And it was, oh, about six years after I joined Knowles that I was fitted with hearing aids myself. So that wasn't a direct part of my journey, really, but it certainly helped inform it in ways I wouldn't have understood otherwise. Andrew, thank you for articulating your background so well. I mean, you lived it, right? So you had you had that first class view of of navigating throughout the audio industry in and of itself, and then found yourself wearing hearing technology. And if anyone understands the importance of wearing hearing technology and the importance of access to hearing healthcare, it's those who actually wear the technology. Celebrating World Hearing Day, and we're celebrating all week, like we said, this year's theme is one that we both really appreciate. And this year's theme for World Hearing Day is Ear and Hearing Care for All. Let's make it a reality. And really, the overarching theme here is access. Andrew, tell us what ear and hearing care for all, let's make it a reality, means to you. So really, it it means two different things to me. One is the need. The, The WHO's earlier figures state that there are 430 million people with hearing loss severe enough to affect their quality of life. And they estimate that will grow to about 700 million in 2050. So one is the need. And related to that need is the economic impact. So they, their analysis shows that not hearing care directly, but all the other health issues and comorbidities that come with untreated hearing loss have an impact of $314 billion globally. Wow. And they also assessed almost $200 billion in lost productivity from people with untreated hearing loss and $27 billion for educational support for children who have unaddressed hearing loss. Okay, those are the direct, tangible economic impacts. They also assess a, 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 an intangible societal impact of almost $500 billion. But even if you take the direct impact, it's about $500 billion. Okay. And half of those costs are attributed to low and middle income countries where hearing care is very difficult to get. And so you're talking about places that cannot afford this burden on the healthcare system. And for people whose economic impact can mean not being able to make a living wage because of the ill effects of untreated hearing loss. So that's really a truly, truly global pandemic with severe consequences around the world. Andrew, regarding the economic impact that untreated hearing loss can and does make, again, the need, we need to address this. And by addressing it, what we're doing is creating greater access to hearing healthcare. And the word access, well, what does that mean? Is it access to getting hearing aids? Is it access to getting hearing help? Is it access to cerumen management or earwax removal? So understanding the global impact and the global economic impact this can make, where do we start? 
Because if we want ear and hearing care for all and we want to make it a reality, where can we start today, this week? Yeah, let's let's break that down a little bit, okay? Because you think about hearing care, you think about audiologists, mm-hmm. okay? But we we know even in Western countries, but especially on global basis, there's a very severe lack of audiologists. Now, th- this is a little bit of older data, but the situation hasn't changed terribly. Uh, the WHO assessed the number of audiologists in different countries. They had 57 countries in their survey. Okay. 34 of those countries had less than one audiologist per million people. Wow. And yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. And and then there's another suite that have somewhere between one and five audiologists per million people. So the audiological model doesn't even work there. Right. I'll use I'll use Honduras as an example because I've gone there four times uh, for a different purpose, unrelated to hearing, to a rural part in southern Honduras. And there is, best I can tell, one or two audiologists in the two largest cities. They're hours away driving from where we go. And where we go, even there are many people who live without electricity, for example. Hearing care is totally off the table. But there's a local health clinic. There's multiple local health clinics in the area. So the place where you're going to engage with people on hearing care is not with an audiologist in a place like Honduras. It's going to be with the local doctors and clinicians in those local clinics nearby. Now, as you mentioned, there's a lot of different aspects to it. Now, the the WHO, in, in launching this program, they they said that over 60% of hearing issues can be addressed at primary care level. Mm-hmm. These are things like ceremony management and infections and so on. Okay. Their current plan, you know, talks about referring out to hearing care specialists when they, you know, have a hearing loss issue per se or an ENT, uh, which is something we also need to talk about. But the fact is you you can cover more than half of people's hearing issues at primary care level without a device, okay? So that's like base level improvement right there just by bringing hearing care services outside of hearing aid fittings and so on, but hearing management from a medical point of view to these local clinics. Mm -hmm. And that is, for lack of a better term, Andrew, that is huge because over half of all hearing care problems can be identified and addressed at that primary level of care, which means that how, and this is the million dollar question. So how do we get started with this year's theme of World Hearing Day? It is our goal to raise awareness of specialists in the primary level of care. Is it education that we need to focus on not only this week, not only World Hearing Day, but moving forward of educating these primary care physicians and and individuals in the primary level of care, what is the first step towards ensuring that we address this problem? Well, you you hit it. The, the, The WHO's initiative is all about educating primary care people on hearing care and how they can manage it. They even have a, uh, they even developed with uh, Hearax an app-based hearing assessment that they can use. It's called uh, Who Hear Pro, if I remember right. And so, so they're really working an education and also 
the tools that can be deployed globally in local clinics to assess, diagnose, and treat hearing issues that they're capable of treating and to refer out when they cannot. Let's take a quick break. Running a private practice is challenging, and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that I believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic. Learn more at cycle.com. That's S-Y-C-L-E.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. And I think that's the golden word there is to refer out to a hearing care professional, audiologist, hearing instrument specialist, ENT, when it is needed. Because the fact that these challenges and these hearing problems can be identified and addressed at the primary level of care, that's a, that's a huge problem that can be solved. And I think that's also where the hearing healthcare professional comes into play of going out and educating their local physicians, maybe hosting a lunch and learn or something of that sort. Andrew, you've been in this space your entire career. What do and what does the educational model look like to not only educate these individuals in the primary level of care, but how do we ensure then that we can create some traction to ensure that it is being addressed. So it's not just World Hearing Day, Ear and Hearing Care for All. We have some traction for a month or two. How do we continue this education? What can hearing professionals do to ensure that they're consistently educating primary care physicians and things of that nature? Yeah, it's a different question in countries where hearing care professionals exist. And, and there are many people who've talked on this topic in much better than I can in terms of forming relationships with local healthcare professionals of other kinds. In other words, I've heard audiologists speak of how they formed relationships with local general practitioners, for example, so that they work collaboratively. A general practitioner would refer out when necessary to the hearing care professional and the hearing care professional when seeing other issues uh, that are better addressed in the medical environment would refer back. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that can take place in, you know, developed countries who have a network of hearing care professionals. But what about countries that don't have hearing care professionals? Who are the local clinicians going to refer out to? Well, I think there's there's an answer on a couple of levels there. One is in countries that have at least some, even if they're centrally located in a larger city, you now have the remote diagnostic tools where you can actually then consult remotely with an ENT or hearing care professional. And there are a number of companies doing that sort of thing, like uh, Shoebox, uh, Herex is doing it, Timpa Health out of the UK are doing it, where you can actually either have uh, you know, an opinion from an ENT or hearing care professional afterwards, or even do it live online while you're in a remote clinic with these handheld tools. So that's pretty exciting. 
But I also think there's another level too, which is a bit of an extension of what the WHO is aiming at. And that's how to get devices in people's ears when hearing care professionals don't exist. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, there, there are, there are some uh, efforts to do that. For example, uh, there was uh, in December, uh, this week in hearing podcast where Amin Alami uh, interviewed Antonio Esteban. He's working in the Dominican Republic and he described, oh, he has kind of a sliding scale practice, right? Where people who can afford it will pay for their devices. And he's also fitting people gratis if they can't afford it with support from the Starkey Hearing Foundation. And he just raved about the kind of not only device support, but all the after support necessary to keep people in their devices uh, that the Starkey Hearing Foundation was doing. He just had nothing but really good things to say. He's fitted thousands of people this way. Yeah, That's great, but that's thousands when we need millions we need and tens millions. of millions and hundreds of millions. <laughs> so this is, this is terrific stuff, really terrific stuff, but I don't think it will ever solve the problem that way through individuals and NGOs and the like, okay? So I think we have to look a little bit on the device provision model in places like rural Honduras, if I can use that as an example. Yeah. And this is, this is what makes me most excited about over-the-counter. It's a different story in the United States than it is in a place like Honduras. Because we think about hearing care here, and we have you know what we consider a gold standard of care, and it really works. I've gone through the process myself, okay? And I know how well that works. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky to be able to do that. But if you're in an underserved place, a 70% solution is better than a 0% solution. And what I could see is an outgrowth of the over-the-counter hearing aids being developed for the US are devices specifically aimed at underserved areas. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be lower cost devices. They're not gonna have all the bells and whistles. Uh, but I can also tell you, for example, a person in rural Honduras, they're more concerned about being able to hear in daily life than, uh, than the performance in a loud restaurant. Sure, okay. absolutely. So, so you have to think about devices aimed at that, and that can be effectively deployed through the local clinics. I mean, self-fitting is rather off the table in this environment. Mm -hmm. uh, the person will need assistance getting fit. The person will need uh, training on how to use the device and how to keep it clean. And they're going to have to be able to go back to the clinic you know, even for wax removal and this sort of thing to keep them going, okay? But that's entirely possible. I can imagine, you know, uh, what we would call a self-fit device here would be a clinician-fit device there. And so this is the kind of, uh, you know, outgrowth of over-the-counter hearing aids. And I think it's quite possible when I look at what's going on in true wireless earphones today, for example, India, which is, you know, has a large rural underserved population, there's a large earphone company there called Boat who sells true wireless earphones. Their lowest model is 15 US dollars, okay? Even in the US, there's JLab, which by, by number of units shipped is one of the top 10 true wireless earphone companies. And their base model is about 30 US dollars. And sometimes they put it on sale for 15 also. So this is really possible. And, and JLab gets it because at CES, they just unrolled their whole hearing platform with uh, hearing protection devices, uh, with educational materials, 
and they announced two over-the-counter devices, and they announced that from this point forward, all their earphones will have a listening safe mode. So oh, that's great. The whole infrastructure between the mobile diagnostic tools and devices are coming together so that you can actually now add devices to the list. Now that's not going to work for everybody. You know, by the time you pass moderate into, you know, steeply severe and profound hearing loss, you're going to need more attentive care with a hearing care professional, but you're going to cut the bottom two thirds of that pyramid off with devices that could be fit locally in the health clinics on cost of effective basis. That's what really excites me about all this. Our conversation right now is getting me super excited because when we talk about access to hearing healthcare, and even before you and I started this conversation today, we were talking before we hopped online, access, living in the United States, we're so used to just picking up the phone and saying, I need to schedule an appointment whether it be a dermatologist, audiologist, whoever. Like we have access to these specialties. But again, countries that are underdeveloped, OTC for the underdeveloped countries could be that solution. Now, of course, if they present with this severe to profound hearing loss and they need more care, communication strategies, absolutely. But to your point, we're talking about these underdeveloped countries that need the care. When we talk about the Starkey Hearing Foundation, Starkey in general, it's so the world may hear. We are now in a day and age where we are able to connect virtually. I mean, look at us right now. We're recording a podcast and we're both remote. The fact that we have the technology today to connect a individual who may reside in an underdeveloped country with a specialist to talk about their communication deficits and their hearing loss. That is some groundbreaking stuff, my friend. That is super exciting. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I want to add the educational component to it, too, because if I take the WHO's figure, since we're talking about World Hearing Day, they assess that 1.1 billion people are at risk of noise-induced hearing loss which is my story, by the way. That's totally a lack of education, okay? Mm -hmm. Lots of loud live music venues, listening to the radio too loud, you know, growing up with earphones, you know, going back <laughs> to the Sony Walkman, you know, through uh, downloading my MP3s with Napster and, you know, the whole thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about noise-induced hearing loss, and the fact is not only do we have 400-plus billion people who are debilitated by hearing loss now, we're on the verge of creating another billion people with the same problem. And so education is hugely important. And the best place to deliver education on safe listening and how to protect your hearing, whether it's from music or it's your work setting, you know, to be able to educate people and perhaps even provision hearing protection devices uh, is going to be that local clinic or primary care physician around the world. That's where people interface with the medical community. So it's equally important that that's going to be a venue for hearing loss prevention issues uh, and uh, hearing conservation education through that channel will be more mm. effective. It really does come down to education being this foundation. It really is. So not only educating those in the healthcare space and not only educating 
the residents in some of these underdeveloped countries, but also educating decision makers and governments and civil society groups towards whose recommendations regarding integration of ear and hearing care into PHC. We have an opportunity here, not only today, not only World Hearing Day, but in the future to continue to educate elected officials. How important is that to then get the message out to their residents? I mean, that's, that's so important. Oh, that's extremely important. And that's really where, where the who with all their boots on the ground can have a real impact. Because I, I like what they're doing because they can put solid numbers to this. Yes. Okay. You're talking about a place with an overburdened healthcare system. And, and you know, what place isn't? Uh, but, you know, some really so. Uh, the fact is, is that you can trace untreated hearing loss to a number to a burden on the healthcare system through all the comorbidities, through the loss of productivity, which then places additional burdens on the social welfare system of those countries. The who has the numbers? Of course, whenever you're whenever you're trying to advocate at national government level, there's a whole suite of issues that can make that more or less successful depending on which country you're talking about. It can about. be a little difficult. <laughs> It's not an easy task. But the fact is, is they can point to hard economic benefits for deploying hearing treatment through the local care practices and clinics. Okay? And so I have to be optimistic that this initiative by the WHO is going to have a positive effect. Absolutely. And not only this week, Andrew, are we banding together, not only... You and me and Hearing Matters podcast and, you know, the, the Dave Kemp's and the Abram Bailey's and Stephen Taddy's and all of these amazing key opinion leaders in the hearing healthcare industry. We have an opportunity to raise awareness and to create greater access to ensure, though, that patient safety and satisfaction remains at the forefront. That's number one. But now also we have an opportunity here to not only educate elected officials, but individuals as well. And if we understand the fact that as human beings, right now you and I are communicating and communication is the exchange of ideas. You and I communicate using the English language and language is a code in which ideas are shared. And then speech is a neuromuscular process. So we have all of these things going and, and you have receptive language skills. So you're processing what I'm saying and, and listening to understand, but also respond. Now put a hearing loss on top of that. So when a patient presents with hearing loss, their ability to understand speech, not only in quiet, but also in noisy situations will be impaired. So if we're able to create greater access to hearing health care, to being treated maybe for ear infection and cerumen management, but also treating hearing loss, imagine what that does, not only to that country, but to the world in general. Yeah, you know, you revealed your background as a speech-language pathologist <laughs> in the language you used just there, right? And so, yeah, I want to dive into that a little bit. I mean, briefly, I want to quote Nina Krauss. Uh, you've probably seen this book. Of great book. Mind. Absolutely great book. And she wrote this, just, I'm going to quote here. She's talking about the relationship between hearing and reading, okay, especially in children. And she says here, we learn what we pay attention to. 
the children who had the teacher's voice delivered, and she's talking about using uh, listening devices sure. for children with hearing loss or other auditory processing issues. We learn what we pay attention to. The children who had the teacher's voice delivered directly to their ears with clarity and adequate volume could attend to the lesson better. They could spend more time thinking about the concepts of the lesson instead of figuring out what to pay attention to or which words were spoken. Now, I've uh, presented a study in a couple of different presentations. I'm going to quote it here. This study, what they did was they took a group of people with hearing loss and a group of people with nominal hearing, and they gave them the Hopkins verbal learning test. And so what they did was actually, first they did a visual form of this test, which involves learning a list of words and then uh, recalling them after 20 or 25 minutes. So they did it visually as a control and everybody did pretty well on their scale. And I don't know how the scale works, but they're in around eight or nine on the scale, okay? Then they did it with sound. So they're playing the words now. The people with, and people with hearing loss had their devices out, okay? So people with untreated hearing loss scored a four on this recall test, whereas people without hearing loss scored near to eight. Now, the interesting thing they mm. did was they reversed it. They corrected the hearing loss of the people who had it. And then, you know, through equalization of the audio, they simulated hearing loss for the people who didn't. And it was completely reversed. The scores were reversed. The people with hearing loss corrected, scored near to eight. And the people without hearing loss who had hearing loss simulated scored near to four. Okay. So just exactly what you said, if you have untreated hearing loss, it means you, you are less attentive, less engaged, less able to participate. And that doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's it's about your relationships. It's about the educational environment. It's about your work environment and your ability to be productive in the work setting by communicating with other people and being able to understand other people and to be able to internalize and engage with what you just heard. It's critically important. It's actually the thing I learned when I got fitted. I never, like... To, to hear it and to experience it are different things because I was in my Knowles days traveling internationally constantly. You know, I had the fat passport filled sure. up with stamps. You've hit and, your million miles, haven't you, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> on two airlines. Oh, man. You know? um, and, and, and so China was the place I learned this lesson because I don't speak Mandarin. So as I'm traveling through China, a lot of people are speaking English with their different dialects and accents and with varying levels. And I would do a two-week trip to China, meetings all day, go out to dinner with a customer or business partner in the evening. By the end of the two weeks, I was washed up. Yep, yep. I would go home and sleep for 10 hours. And that was just part and parcel. I mean, I would just power through, you know. The first time I did one of those trips after getting fitted with my hearing aids, I felt five times better. Isn't that interesting? I was amazed at how much more energy I had at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Now, like I'm a go, go, go kind of person. So I just like went, went, went. But I have to believe by the end of those trips, I was not as attentive as I could have been simply because I was being worn out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now you take, a, you take a person who continues to not treat their hearing loss and it gets worse and worse in their daily environment. 
they are truly suffering. And it happens so gradually, you don't realize it. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea until the next time I went with my devices in. Just listening fatigue. How much better. The listening fatigue was amazing. I had, I honestly never thought of it that way because it was a very gradual process. But the minute I popped the devices in and did a trip like that, the difference was absolutely amazing. And that's why it's so important that we address this globally, because there are many people whom are really impacted by this, whether whether they're a student learning, whether a person trying to work and earn a living for themselves and their family, it doesn't matter, you know, in their relationships. This is an issue that has to be addressed, or they suffer right then and there, and then they also suffer all the comorbidities that come with long-term hearing loss unaddressed. And when we mention comorbidities, to name a few, untreated hearing loss is linked to cognitive decline or dementia of the Alzheimer's type. Individuals with untreated hearing loss are at a greater risk of increased falling, anxiety, depression, the list goes on. That is, number one, for overall health and well-being, that's where hearing healthcare can really help these individuals, even prevent that from happening of addressing your hearing, keeping the residual hearing that you do have, and, and hashtag safe listening. In celebration of World Hearing Day, and we're celebrating all week, as we've been saying, Aura Futurity, Hearing the Future. Share with us this company that you started, what is the vision, what is the mission, how can we continue to raise awareness of hearing healthcare through your platform? Yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share because it's really part and parcel with my passion for this space because there's so much innovation going on in this space and not hearing is my primary focus, but broader communication as well. Quite simply, there's so much innovation going on in this space And I wanted to create a platform where I can help those innovators go to market, allow their solutions to become successful, and improve hearing and communications ability for people wherever they're at and whatever their issue is. It's really an agency that focuses on branding and go-to-market in this space. And how important is that? Because there's, there's a lot of players in the space, and... To have a strong, this is a whole other conversation. We'll have we'll have you back on, Andrew, to talk about the importance of, of go-to-market strategies. But how important is it to to celebrate World Hearing Day accessibility for companies, not only current companies, but companies that are going to enter this space? How important, Andrew, is the why behind a go-to-market strategy? Because that really does align with access um, and to the theme of World Hearing Day. How important is the why? Why you do what you do as a company? Yeah, so the why is very, very important because really the core of my belief is that to address hearing loss on a global basis is to improve people's lives in very meaningful ways, Mm. okay? To improve their relationships and to improve the way they work and learn. Okay. When you think about how many industries are in the same place hearing health is right now. So if I take that 430 billion people, okay, with debilitating hearing loss, 
we're shipping what 20 million hearing aids annually so that's 10 million people annually say five years life of a hearing aid okay so at any given time there are 50 million people walking around with devices against a 430 million billion person need okay it's nothing yeah it's nothing we haven't scratched the surface there, there are very few industries that that are happy servicing a small fraction of the total population <laughs> who could use their you know service or device okay and so this is really what we have to address the hearing care industry has been working the tip of the iceberg and working it very well i'm a testament to that i would never hear as well as i do now without the devices i'm wearing in the ongoing care from a hearing professional no doubt about it tip of the iceberg okay now we have to get further and further down okay work our way down that iceberg or down that pyramid if i can mix my metaphors <laughs> in a public podcast um you know we've got to work our way further down and that takes innovative thinking in delivery it takes innovative thinking in diagnostic tools and it takes innovative thinking in devices and to the extent that can i can assist those innovators to deploy effective solutions, that's what I'm all about. Well, you heard it from the founder himself, Andrew Bellavia of Aura Futurity. We talked all things World Hearing Day. We are celebrating World Hearing Day all week. Andrew, in closing, do you have any closing remarks to our listeners tuned in? How important is ear and hearing care for all? Let's make it a reality. Well, really, I think I can summarize what's been the thread of yours in my discussion this whole time, and that is hearing care is one of those hidden disabilities that because you don't see it, you don't realize how prevalent it is. You don't realize what the personal and societal costs are, and yet it's really a global pandemic that needs to be addressed. And hats off to the WHO for putting such a systematic process in place to do that. Agreed. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hearing Matters podcast. It was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a global epidemic, hearing loss. Today, we had Andrew Bellavia. He is a hearing healthcare advocate, incredible individual and an innovator in the hearing healthcare industry. For more information and to connect with Andrew, visit AuraFuturity.com. We will put that website in the show notes. And until next time, hear life story. Thanks again for tuning into the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode, and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also, head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.